There we go. There. I think it's coming. Probably a little bit loud. Well, ooh, yes. Just to say, um, for those of you who don't know, Gary <coughs> Corton, who's been uh, in hospital this uh, last week, this time last week, he couldn't walk. I had no uh, movement, a little bit of movement in his hand, his left hand, I think it was, and half of his face was dropping. And uh, th when the ambulance came, they thought he's having a stroke. And then they thought in the hospital it was Bell Palsy. And on Wednesday night, we prayed, for those of us who remember, and we put the notice out and we prayed. And on Thursday, I went to visit him in the afternoon and I was expecting the worst, dare I say it. You never know when you go visiting in hospital what to expect. But I, I go through the door and there he is sitting up. He goes, hey, Martin, you know, in his, his accent and shook my hand. And I thought, what's going on? Both his arms were working. His face was coming up and he was talking fluently because he couldn't talk before. And then when the nurse had gone, he said, let me show you this. And he got the Zimmer frame and he walked across the ward like this. And then he texted me yesterday to say that he was walking across the room as normal. Now, come on, this is God at work. The doctors didn't know what's going on. And these are some of the things and the reasons why we fast and pray for moments like that, aren't they? Amen. You know, so praise God. So how's the fast been going for you? Good? Wonderful? Let me ask you, what are you expecting from the fast? Just think about that. You know, it's very easy to say, well, now the fast is over, we can feast. But that's not what it's about, is it? Let's continue to pray. The good thing I've enjoyed about this is actually being here every night for an hour of prayer. And one or two very faithful people have been there every night. Do you know, some of you have been there so faithfully. Thank you so much for some, some of you that came along. Um, it's great when we meet together and we pray with some unity about some of these things. And that's, I believe, is a direct result in seeing Gary come and be healed. And we're looking forward to seeing him back in church in uh, complete health, aren't we? But you know, it's not the time to relax. It's very easy to, when something is over like this, to think, oh no, right, I can chill and I can pig out. You know, I know Bible for Blokes on Wednesday is going to be curry and Paul Kev's going to have to p make loads of it because we're definitely going to be hungry on Wednesday. But it's, you know, we've got to be careful. But you know, one word that came there earlier on was about the accelerator in a car. You know, if you accelerate, you move forward. If you take your foot off, you coast and eventually you'll stop. And there's the danger of when we stop fasting to think, well, I don't need to fast, okay? I don't need to pray. But what does the Bible say? It says when we fast and pray. So let's make it part of our habit. Somehow you find a way to keep that going. You find a way to keep praying, keep prayer at the top of your agenda. Build that intimacy with God. And you know, today... Um, I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about giving. Wee, someone's kicked the bucket over there. <laughs> um, I want to talk about giving and tithing. So turn with me, if you will, to uh, Malachi 3, verse 10. It's the Italian prophet. Well, that's why I make him up to be. <laughs> it says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Malachi 3, verse 10. 
that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Well, what is tithing? Tithing is a practice of giving 10% of one's income to the Lord. And where's that first reference to tithing? Well, there's a thing called the law of first mention. And it's important when uh, attempting to derive spiritual principles from the Bible on a particular subject to go back to the time of that first mentioned. And so when this was mentioned was in Genesis 14, where Abraham um, met a guy called, a man, <laughs> it's a high priest effect, called Melchizedek. And Abraham apparently knew more about Melchizedek than is recorded in Scripture. But he gave him a tithe, a tenth of all his um, spoils and everything he had. Thus tithing became a practice 500 years before the Mosaic law of Moses. Interesting, Melchizedek means my king is righteous or legitimate. I had to look that up because I often thought, you know, what was the meaning of this chap? But equally, in uh, Genesis 28, we see that Jacob, um, and he was promising, he promising to give a tenth of all he had at Bethel. So both of these examples are before the Mosaic law, which is in Exodus 21 to 24 and 31 to 35. So we see Abraham commenced it, Moses commanded it in Deuteronomy 12, and Jesus himself commended it in Luke 11. Tithing is called the storehouse tithing by some that require that the tithe to be given through the local church. While some Christians disagree, the principle of God's place for worship is the basis of the storehouse tithe. And we see that in Deuteronomy 12. And the temple of the Old Testament was three things. It was firstly the central place characterised by God's presence. Secondly, possessed the symbol of redemption. And thirdly, was where the man of God served. So, and in the New Testament, these three attributes characterise the local church. Hence the principle of storehouse tithing continues into the church age. Some people... Well, they withhold their tithe from the local church because they disagree with the expenditure of the funds. Now, let me say to this, you, you know, we're in the family, and if you're in a family, sometimes you do things that others don't like, but you're still part of the family. Um, and I remember one chap once said, the elders are right even if they're wrong. <laughs> well, I, know, I, I agree with what he was saying at one level. You know, we're a family. And we like to hear what's going on as we move forward and uh, try and understand. And <clears throat> sometimes, you know, we give and uh, we don't always understand. But in our family in this last couple of years, we've taken steps of faith. And, uh, you know, Pete is leading us in worship and improving things in worship. Uh, Kev is doing things with the children's work and the stuff that goes on the media. And we got Andy busting into going into the schools and all sorts of things. New things are opening because the family is growing. And we're putting money into different things. And you know, you should be in a church where you can give wholeheartedly and make the contributions in good conscience. Because our actual tithe belongs to the local church. Giving to the parachurch and organisations uh, Christian organisations out of that are in addition to that. And I'll come on to that shortly. Why tithe to God? 
Well, because it's already his. He gives it to you. And now all you're doing is giving a tenth back to him. Matthew 22:15 to 21. Turn with me, if you will, just to look at this. It's a familiar scripture. It should come on the screen, I think. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him. Now, this is to, talking to Jesus, about Jesus, in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with Herodian's teacher. They said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin you used to paying the tax. They brought him a denarius. And he asked them, whose image is on this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they said. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And that's why we give to God. You see, we have jobs to do and we have taxes to pay. But to God... We give everything because of Jesus. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given, be added to you. Then we get questions like, should I tithe, gross or net? Well, it depends whether you want to be blessed, gross or net, I suppose, on one level. <laughs> In tithing, isn't tithing legalism? Should I get out of debt first? Well, look, whilst we believe in tithing a chase, we do not believe in it legalistically. What do I mean by that? Well, let me tell you a couple of stories. I had somebody that worked for me some years ago, and uh, he was a Christian and very much wanting to tithe and was doing tithing. And He came into my office one morning and he broke down. He said, look, we can't tithe. My wife and I, we just can't afford it. And... Being somebody who was a staunch tither at the time, these words just came out of my mouth. And I said, well, what can you give him? And he looked at me. He said, that's not the point. I need to give the tithe. I said, no, what can you give him? He went, oh, I see. And he said, yeah, well, I, we can give that. <laughs> he, he didn't stay long. He got straight on the phone to his wife. He said, he said look, listen, listen, why don't we give so-and-so? Because we're still giving. You see, God is not after your money, is he? He's after your heart. All right, but I heard these words come out of my mouth, you know, say, What can you give? And you know, well, in this particular case, this guy, his he, he went, they went through a couple of months and then they started to give more than their tithe because they wanted to give back to the Lord. And uh, you know, the Lord has really prospered them as they stepped out. In fact, they had to uh, another chap, um. We had a Christians in business meeting and about 40 people there. And we were praying to, with one another. And this one chap again said, he burst into tears and said, I, I can't tithe. We, we can't tithe, my and wife. And I said the same thing. You know, what can you give? And you see, God is after our heart continually. And he, um, it, it challenged me. It spoke to me because, you know, there are different ways that people will tithe. And God is not into legalism. He's not into saying, you must do this, you must do that. Having said that, for Liz and I, um, we came into tithing a bit late. I want to encourage younger people here, get into tithing early, all right? 
saves a lot of hassle. We were in our early 30s, we came into this. And when you're given a tenth of your salary, you think, eek, this don't work, it's a lot of money, you know? But for three months, we knew the Lord was pushing us to do this. And we did. It, it, how we got through, I don't know. We got through. And suddenly we knew, after those three months, that we weren't going to change. We were committed. We're going to give you a tithe. It was a determination and it was faith working together. Do you understand? All right. Now, there are two examples there of different parts, ways of giving. One way, you know, God was uh, dealing with us to get past that. But then there are others who had difficulties. And you've got to be real about where you are. We do not want to see people in debt. That's not what this is about. Um, but what God is after is our heart, isn't it? Uh, right. Yeah, God doesn't need our money. Let's, let's get that straight. He doesn't need our money. He's after our heart. So the question is, is where is your heart? And are you sold out for God? You see, I've been in churches where they could preach about these things, but no one ever did it. I was brought up in churches where the, the, the teaching was phenomenal, but I didn't meet anybody who did fast or tithe. I, I mean, I, I can confess this about my own parents. They used to have a, a tenth, they called it a tenth account, bank account. They put a bit of money in there, and when they saw something they wanted to give to, they'd just give to it. That wasn't tithing. It was just going at what they thought was good. Now, it's not, they were, it was their heart. And I saw that, but they didn't come into the teaching of understanding the storehouse principles. All right? And uh, we'll look at the scripture again in Malachi shortly. You know, um, EA did some various surveys, and they're slightly out of date, but as far as I could check out, it's very similar to at the moment. 15% of Christian population tithe. And according to EA's um, local one, uh, it said that, about 7%, sorry, apparently that evangelicals give about 7% of their income. Um, so how the church survives sometimes, I really don't know. You know, it's quite uh, definitely. You see, a deception of the devil is to say it's all old covenant and that we're not under the law. Anything to stop us giving. Turn with me to um, 2 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians sorry, 9, another familiar scripture. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6 to 8. It says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Are you a cheerful giver? Do you love giving or do you go, hmm, I don't really want to give to this, you know? We want, God wants cheerful givers. And it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Pretty strong language from the Lord, isn't it? Telling us what we can do. And it's exciting. Let me tell you, and I will say this various times this morning, you cannot outgive God. All right? The Old Testament might say give a tithe, but by implication very often the new testament can challenge us far more in that we should give at least a tenth in fact what does it say it says deny yourself 
Take up your cross and follow me. Let's follow Jesus. In the Old Testament, he wanted us to tithe, to give a tenth. In the New Testament, he wants everything. When people say, oh, it's the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, the New Testament, the New Covenant, is much harder. Let's get a grip of that. Turn with me to Acts... Uh, I didn't give you these, sorry, at the back there. Acts 2. There's interesting scripture here. Acts 2 and verse 44, no, 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. I love that simplicity of heart. That just fits with me. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Do you remember a few weeks ago, I was talking about now in those days. In those days, if you lied, you could die. If you lied to the Holy Spirit, if you lied to God, you could end up dead. Pretty serious stuff, isn't it? You read it, it's there, Ananias and Sapphira. But also, you could be beaten and you'd, you'd rejoice because you'd been beaten for the name of Jesus and your witness. And yet, at the same time, everyone was being healed when they were prayed for in the name of Jesus. And here we read again, the church, adding to the church daily, it costs to be a Christian. I think you know that by now. Those of you who are in love with God and walk with him, it costs. You know, they gave far more and above their tithe in the New Testament. And if you've been giving, then my encouragement to you is give some more. You know, I could give various testimonies of people I know who've uh, given well above their exceeding amount that they could give. And God has blessed them, covered it and built them up and taken them on again. Let me say, if you don't like what you're reaping, then change what you're sowing, all right? <laughs> the difference between an ordinary Christian and a mature Christian is that mature Christian puts it into practice. And I've been to churches where everyone's very sound, but nothing happens because they are just soundly dead. Absolutely theologically correct, but nothing ever happens because they haven't put it into practice. That might sound a bit hard, and I don't mean to be judgmental, but I've been in churches like that um, in my youth particularly. And it's a question of what we sow. So what we have, if you sow what you have, and God will multiply it. He does. He always does those things. The tithe has got to be sown into good soil. It's your local church, your spiritual family, where they, you get the support, where you can worship like this. This is your family. You know, I, I loved speaking to someone in our church a while ago who said, look, I can't make it uh, every week through health reasons and things. And I said, but, you know, she says, I love watching it online. I feel like I'm there. I'm still connected with the family. I thought, well, praise God that the cameras are here and that they can connect. You know, times are going to get tough. 
I really believe it. You know, Ken's been saying it for years that you need to prepare ourselves for the times that are coming ahead, that it can be difficult and challenging. We need each other. And we need the church to be robust during this time. Tithe and give to mission. You see, real giving starts over and above your tithe. And God will protect you. Let's look back at Malachi um, again. Uh, this time reading a little bit before that. This is, again, Malachi 3, chapter, Malachi chapter 3 and verse... Eight. It says this, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, because you say, In what way have we robbed you? And then it says this, In tithes and offerings. We bring our tithes into the storehouse, but the offerings are over and above. Have you ever been in that situation, you were in a meeting, and you just feel convicted to give to this? And you know the Holy Spirit's prompting you, and you want to give. I think I've shared this story before, but it, just, it does make me smile. A friend of mine, um, who's a real tither and everything, but he was on his way home and he had the deposit for a, a, a new house for him and his wife. And it was a particular meeting and he felt the Holy Spirit said, give X amount, a thousand pounds are in your pocket to this work. And he was rejecting it, rejecting it. He said, no, this is, Lord, this is the deposit on our new house. Anyway, he gave it. Can you imagine going home to your wife? Now, we, 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 Liz and I knew his wife. She would have yelled at him. But she knew also that he could hear the Lord. And she said, well, look, we've got to trust him for to provide. And it was, you know, obviously very imminent in the move. And I can't remember all the details right now, but all I know is not only was the deposit made, but a large sum towards their mortgage was taken off. God, you cannot outgive God. All right? <laughs> He's after your heart. It's exciting. Um, I, I've been very privileged to meet some millionaires in my time through working with Christians in business. And uh, one man, I won't but not say who, um, someone said, look, you know, what else would you buy? And he said, well, I could buy a, another plane or a you know, whatever, you know, he said, but what good's that to me? And um, there was, it was a really great time, lots of questions coming up. And he said, what I, they, someone said, well, what, did you, what have you done? And in his case, he put together, he has 500 people working on a trust that he has. And he looks where the Lord will lead him around the world to what he can do to sow. Right, I was absolutely blown away. And he said to me, Martin, I worry for some churches because he said, if I gave them a million pounds, they wouldn't know what to do with it. And that's very true, you know. But if we were given a million pounds, would we know what to do with it? I would. But believe you me, I would. I would. <laughs> All right. That wasn't a prompt, by the way. That was it. But, you know, I, I, it was a privilege to meet this guy and see his heart. Um, uh, I can say it's a bit fun. When uh, he was coming to us... Um, he said, my chauffeur will drive me down. I thought, oh, my goodness. All right, then he rung a few days before. Daniel, do you remember this? Was, he was a little boy. <laughs> uh, um, 
he uh, said, I'm actually decided to come with my wife. Can I come to your house for a cup of tea first? We went, oh, no. <laughs> you know, you do the thing, tidy up, clear around, you know. And he came into our house and I thought, you know, do I bow? You know, that's what it felt like a little bit. But we had a cup of tea together and what a lovely man of God. Turned out he played guitar and we were talking about music and stuff and things I didn't know. But he, I saw his heart and later on that evening, he was sharing the gospel with people, praying for people. A man got healed. He said, this is my heart. And I, I was just touched, you know. But the tremendous pressure that's on these people in that, uh, when they have that sort of amount of money. So in tithes and offerings, when God spurs you to give offerings over and above the tithe, go for it. It says here, you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. I don't believe. I'll come back onto that in a minute. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then it says this, and it says, try me in this. But in other versions, it says, test me. Now, as far as I know in the Bible, it doesn't say that anywhere else. All right? It says, try me in this now and see, uh, in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will, goes on, goes on to say, look, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruits of your grounds, nor shall your vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, said the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Sorry, I'm a bit stuttery there, but that's exciting. God promises to protect you, to watch over you. When you put yourself in that situation where you're giving your money to him. Christians have a need to give, to share their resources and blessings with others. They have a duty to support and to preach the gospel, to give financial support to the spiritual leaders. And the church needs this support. And if the disciples of Jesus Christ can give but do not, then they, I believe they're falling short. So first, let's look at the purpose of tithing for a minute. The main purpose, the main principle behind tithing and giving is the fact that what we do with our money shows where our heart is. Again, I would say, where is your heart? Matthew 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you're able to give 10% or more of your income instead of keeping the money for ourselves, it shows that our heart isn't tied to our money and that we love, love God more than money. You know, do you know the Bible mentions money over 800 times? And that all of Jesus' parables, more than half of them, talked about money. Why? Because that is where so many people get tripped up. When we're able to release at least 10% of our income back to God, our money doesn't have its tight hold on us because we realise that God is in control of our finance. You know, I, I go back to when um, my mentor Roger challenged me about tithing. I thought, we can't afford this. 10% of our income, giving it to God, giving it to the church. But we made a decision before God. We prayed and said we're going to do it. 
And for those three months, every month of those three months seemed like an eternity to get through. And then suddenly in the, the fourth month, I remember we just said, that's it. We're, we're going to do it from now on. We're just not going to not do it. And that's when we learned you can't outgive God. Some of you know um, a friend of mine we, we had no car. His car was, just gave up the ghost. So we gave our car and we drove around with the kids in a minibus for a little while because we had no car, but we had a minibus from the office. And I thought that was, you know, generous, should we say. The blow me down, um, a little while later, my sister car went. And I said to Liz, I think we've got to do it again. And she said, oh, no. <laughs> well, words to that effect. <laughs> but we did. We gave a second car. And I said, Lord, how long has this got to go on for, sort of thing. Then a couple of years later, I remember we were driving up the A1. And Liz suddenly said... And we were then in a Renault Espace, which was quite a nice car at the time, with kids, as you can imagine. She said, the reason we've got this car is because we learnt to give away. But that was a couple of years later than when it happened. And we still had to go through the pain of trusting God through those difficult times. Right now, I'm blowing you, Les, comes along and takes my car for us very soon for a different reason. So I'm not looking forward to that either. But, you know, God, you can't outgive him. And we've been so blessed over the years um, because we've learned to try and give in these, into these areas. Ah, yeah, Jesus, we love you. We remember that everything we have has been given to us by him. Even though most of us probably work for the money uh, that we make each month, even God has his hand on our uh, things there. You know, in Deuteronomy 8.18, it says it is God who gives us the power to get wealth. Let me say that again. It's God that gives the power to get the wealth. You know, we can think it's all sorts of things, gifting, talent, and money, and education. But it's God. He works in our place of work. And one of the reasons I started Christians in Business back in those days is because I suddenly realized God wanted to work in my place of work with my business. And that's another story submitting to him. You see, he has given us the ability to do our jobs. Many of us who uh, grasp that God has truly given us and seem to agree that 10% doesn't even feel enough uh, just another story, Elizabeth and I met, uh, met a couple, were introduced to a couple, and their desire, they felt they were called to give a million pounds to work in the church and the gospel. And they were in the, the church of Norman and Grace Barnes, if you, some of you will have known of them, back in the East End. And Norman, in his way, got them to the front of the church and got the elders and the leaders, and they prayed for them that they'd fulfill this calling, that they would bring a million pounds into the kingdom. And Norman and Grace invited us round to a meal at their house, and this couple were there. And what challenged me was that they had decided to give God 90% on live on 10%. Can you imagine that? Well, there they were around this table, and they suddenly said, well, actually, we're saving up for something at the moment. I said, oh, what's that? They said, knives and forks. Oh, I thought, oh, my goodness. 
But let me tell you, not long after that, they gave a million pounds. And Andrew went on to be a very chief executive of some insurance companies that he was involved in. And he will really hear from the Lord. And there's no wonder, is there, when you live that sacrificial life for God. Now, I'm not recommending you all go home and do this. We'll be dealing with all sorts of debt for weeks to come after this. But you understand the principle. God is after our heart. You know, Some people respond to the idea of tithing being mandatory or required as if it's something that keeps believers in bondage. Well, but do God's standards really keep us in bondage? Just like God tells us to keep sex within the marriage, to love one another and seek first his kingdom. Tithing is a blessing to our lives and something that will help better our lives as well as those around us. And we're not saved by works, thus failing to tithe does not necessarily send you to hell. But doing so will help improve your life and strengthen your relationship with God. I personally don't believe that God will curse us if we don't tithe, let me put that straight. But I do believe he will help us escape the curse that is already in the world if we do. I also understand that there may be some church leaders who try to guilt and coerce people into giving. And that I don't agree with at all. In fact, but most studies show that there are plenty of church leaders who honour God in this area. And the majority of them, they want to share God's best with his people and have been taken to um, leading people in giving. You know, Chase Family Church believes in tithing. But let me tell you, Again, you can't outgive God. Have a go. <laughs> Have a go and outgive God. All right? It's where your heart is. Um, and I go back to, again, some of you young people get into the principle of tithing, giving <clears throat> a tenth to God early. It, it sort of it puts everything right for me. And uh, Liz, we know we say, Here you are, Lord, this is yours. We thank you for it. Um, but it, putting it back into the work of the kingdom. And then occasionally you get those opportunities where you know, I want to give something else to somebody else. Or I get touched when, I, um, you know, when Leslie and, and I and Pete, Cody and others deal with the food bags. I get touched when I hear some of the stories and their needs. They're needy people. Living in one room with a single parent with a child. Nothing else. And sometimes we're the only hope they get to bring some food and to pray for them. I want to give to some of those situations. They, they convict your heart, don't they? And there may be missions that go on, like the team going to Lebanon in May and other things. Then we give to those, don't we? We want to see the gospel going into those areas where there's difficulties and challenges and know that they don't have to worry about the resources. I mean, if you came to the talk that Andy did the other day, I, I lost track of how many, whatever the currency was, but it, it was... It was awful, wasn't it? For the sake of one dollar, it was so many of the... What the yeah, it was a lot, a lot, wasn't it? Anyway, that's all I want to say today because um, we don't talk about tithing very often and we look back and the elders said a little while ago that it had been a few years since we'd uh, mentioned it. Um, so I was uh, given the, the job to speak about it today and... Uh, I can't have the band up. It'd be good. Look, God is lovely. 
And then we have to deal with some of these things and talk about them. And he loves us, and really he's after our heart in every area of our life. And that's what we do, is we seek first his kingdom, don't we? We love him for what he pours out into your life. Let's stand. Just before I hand over to the band, I want to pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a generous God. You love us. You care about everything that goes on in our lives. You know the most intimate details. And this morning, I want to pray, Father, that you've spoken to our hearts and that we have committed ourselves afresh to you today to say, we're going to put you first. We seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. I just say, if anybody's felt, you know, put under by what I've said, then that's not my intention at all. My intention is for us to realize and focus that we seek God first. Where your treasure is, remember that scripture. That's where your heart is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment, shall we? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Let's hear you stir up your voices, church. Let's, let's move in the spirit. Let's move in the gifts. Come on, stir your voices. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you for looking after us. Thank you for watching over us. Your provision. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to say, I'm just going to say it because I feel it. I feel there are one or two people here who have a prophetic word. Not necessarily about anything I've said, but just to have a prophetic word, a word of knowledge or something. If that's you, then the microphone's here. Come and share it. Thank you, Lord. Yep, okay, that's good. That's good.